Designed by Wingnut Social is brought to you by Wingnut Social, the leading interior design and home pro digital marketing agency. We know it works so you don't have to. Learn more at wingnutsocial.com. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your design business? Then welcome to Designed by Wingnut Social, helping home professionals accelerate their success with proven industry practices and expert advice. Hey kids, and welcome to Designed by Wingnut Social. I'm your host, Darla Jethro Powell. I am clear of throat and clear of mind, fully recovered from my little cold that I had there. So thank you so much for your patience. Today, we are joined by David Nagel of Life is Now Incorporated. And our conversation was incredibly eye-opening and very motivating and inspiring. And if you feel like you're stuck in a rut, you're stuck in a mindset, or maybe you used to work for a paycheck and you took the leap and you're doing your own business now, you took that risk, but you're still just kind of struggling and you feel like a little bit throttled in your mindset, David has some terrific advice for us and really, really, really super interesting conversation. I'm actually going to listen to it and play it back again. I think you're really going to enjoy it and get a lot out of this episode. But of course, I have to tell you more about David Nagel. David Nagel is a speaker, best-selling author, and founder of the multi-million dollar global consulting company Life is Now Incorporated. And he is the host of the Business Daily News Rank podcast, The Successful Mind. Being in the personal and professional development industry for more than 20 years, David has helped tens of thousands of students from across the globe gain confidence and and find the right mindset needed to increase their revenue, turning their endeavors into seven and eight figure ventures. Wingnuts, help me welcoming David Nagel to the show. Hey there, David Nagel. Welcome to the show. How the hell are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm almost like 99% recovered from the schmutzy cold I had. It's still there a little bit. And uh, in the green room, we were just talking about my Dairy Queen food poisoning. So that kind of tells you a little bit about my lifestyle. That'll do it. That'll do it. No fun. That's one thing that's just, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, colds or flus or something you can handle, but food poisoning is another thing. Yeah, it was the worst. And I'd like to say it was worth it because I got my favorite Heath Bar Blizzard, but it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. No, <laughs> no, no. I do not want to do that again. And so, David, today we're talking about mindset and running a successful business. And my audience is mostly comprised of solopreneurs, small business owners in the interior design niche. So I'm really curious to hear your take on some things that we were discussing about. And I'd like to start with you just telling the audience really quickly, um, just very briefly, your background, what makes you an expert, and we'll dig in. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So um, I was raised in a relatively middle class, lower middle class community in Chicago. Um, I was on my own from about 13 years old. Quit high school at 17. Well, my parents got divorced and they weren't around much, right? So it was me and my brother. We were kind of on our own. Um, Quit high school at 17. I had enough of that and just started to go out into the world with with no education, trying to find my own way. I just knew that I needed to get out of where I was, but I didn't know how. Hmm. Anyway, I, um, I end up getting married, have two kids, and I find out very quickly that um, the level of responsibility that I've taken on in my life, I cannot meet. I don't have the skill set. I don't have the education. I'm not employable enough to be able to meet this responsibility. We, we, um, it, things started progressively going wrong around 1989, where um, 
woke up one morning and our car was repossessed. That oh, followed no. by having to leave our apartment in the middle of the night because they wouldn't let us out of our lease and we couldn't pay for it anymore. We ended up filing bankruptcy. We were and then having to move to a bad neighborhood that was kind of like drug riddled and not good. And I'm trying to figure out how to change this because I, re, you know, I mean, I mean, I just felt humiliated as a as a person, as a man, as a husband, as a father. This is not the person that I wanted to be, but I didn't know how to change it. And the other thing that was significant about this time was that nobody else had any advice for me how to change it. I would, I mean, I would say, you know what? I get it. I blew it. I shouldn't have quit high school. At least that was my thought at the time. I don't necessarily think that now, but that was my thought <laughs> at the time. And they would just say to me, well, we told you so. We told you you should never quit. And I'm like, that's great. But how do I fix it now? How do I change this? I was working six and a half days a week and we were still on food stamps. So over a two-year period of time, it was just progressively getting worse. And uh, I went to work one day. It was a Tuesday. It was in February. It was in Chicago. It was cold. I was working on a dock. I got reprimanded twice before I started work for, for shoddy work. I mean, I deserved it, right? But I didn't think of that at the time. I was blaming them and swearing and screaming at people. It was, you know, it was crazy. Um, and then everything that could go wrong that night went wrong. And I was sitting on the forklift in the back of a trailer, and I just started crying. And I said, God, please show me how to get out of this. I don't know what to do. Show me something. And a voice said to me, David, change your attitude. That's all I heard. Wow. It sounded like somebody was standing in the trailer with me. I mean, I realized it was probably in my head, but regardless, it was significant. Um, I gained my composure after that, and I started thinking, how do I do this? How do I change my attitude? Because I, and, and I, <clears throat> you know, you have the two voices, right? You have this one voice yeah. over here that's encouraging and the other voice that's the devil or whatever. <laughs> and this one voice is saying, you've never stuck to anything in your life. This is the craziest thing you ever heard. And how is changing your attitude going to help you make any more money? Because my approach for two years was how can I increase my income, which was not happening. So um, to make a long story short, I... I went, I, I came up with three things to change. I decided okay. to act like I love what I did to do everything to the best of my ability, my work actually, and then treat people with total respect. <clears throat> and I decided tomorrow morning, I'm going to start doing this. And I literally became that person overnight. I'm like, this wow. is the person that I'm going to become in my mind. This is how I'm going to behave every day. And I gave myself a year. I said, I'll give myself a year to do this and see if anything changes, right? In 30 days, my income tripled. In 30 days, I went from 20000 wow. a year to 62000 a year. And I sat there and I thought to myself, this can't possibly be happening. Yeah. So there's a lot. There's a lot to break down there. First, a lot of people think that... You know, making money and an income is binary, right? You you have a degree or you have an education, you do certain thing, you get paid for it. And the mindset is just woo-woo and just nonsense. And either you do it or you don't. And so let's talk a little bit. I mean, finish what you were going to say, but I'd like to talk a little bit about why mindset even makes going from tripling your money from twenty dollars to $60,000. I mean, that's a significant increase. There has to be more than just saying, I'm going to be nice to people. I'm going to do my work to the utmost. And um, what was the third thing? Forgive me. Act like I love what I do. Act, act like you love what you do. Yeah, right? Right? Okay. Yeah. No, it was. Uh, and the reason that I picked it was because I looked, I looked, I didn't know the term for this at the time, but I picked somebody to model in my life. I was okay. like, who, 
who has something that I would love to have? Um, and what's their attitude like? Because I didn't know what a good attitude was. I really didn't. Even though I'd been hearing it all my life in school, teachers would tell my dad, you know, David's a pretty smart guy. If he would have a better attitude about his schoolwork, he would get good grades. And I'd get home and get grounded. Uh, and they would say, fix your attitude. But nobody would ever tell me how to do it. So here's what happened. When this when this change happened, it, it was it was so significant that it like it caused something to to awaken inside of myself. And I said, I've got to figure out how this happened. This makes no sense to me. It made no sense to anybody that was around me at the time. It was in the very early 90s. I, I instantly was making more money than the people that raised me, even in the community that I grew up in. Uh, I didn't know anybody making $62,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And so I started studying. And I, and I went on this journey uh, where I was studying for seven years. And here's what I found out about that day that I made this change. Okay. What changed, and this is the reason why mindset's 95 to 99% of everything that we do, is it wasn't so much the physical aspects of what I did that I did a better job. Because I didn't stay working at the place that I was working. That's not where the increase came from. Okay. And that was my next question. It came from me recognizing an opportunity that had been around me for two years that prior to changing my attitude, I didn't see as an opportunity. It wasn't even in my consciousness that it was an opportunity. So changing my attitude, what it changed was my perception. Mm -hmm. I started to see the world differently through a completely different lens. And if you break it down to the most simplistic idea, I went from being a victim to taking responsibility. Love it. So... That change allowed me to see an opportunity that even though it scared the hell out of me at the time, everything that that opportunity contained, um, I thought to myself, it can't be worse than where I am. I already know how to lose at the level that I'm losing. Let me try something completely different. And it had major risks to it. One of the risks was that because I was in the bottom of seniority with this new company that I was going to go to work for, I could be laid off for up to seven months a year doing this. And incidentally, I was never laid off. I went to work there as a truck driver and I worked there for seven years. And when I left the company, I was in charge of expanding it across the country. And I never went back to school for one day. So it was that change led to every other change that I made, learning, education, self, my own self-development, studying, everything came from that. And it allowed me to see something that was in front of me the whole time that I couldn't, I couldn't recognize before. Which was what? What was it that you saw by opening up your mind to the possibility of it? Opportunity. Okay. When I was stuck in a victim mindset, I didn't see opportunity in my world. I saw why you were the problem of where I was stuck. I was blaming everybody, everything, my parents, the, the, the area of Chicago that I lived in, the state that I lived in. You name it. I blamed everybody but myself. I didn't I didn't understand what it meant to take responsibility. And that shift allowed me to see the difference. So so I didn't even know until I picked up Think and Grow Rich a few years later. In the beginning of the book, he's got something called the Sly Disguises of Opportunity. It's a paragraph about that big. I read it and I went, oh, my God. That that's what happened to me. Right. He says when opportunity comes, it usually comes in the form of misfortune or temporary defeat. And this is why most people don't recognize opportunity, because they see it as something that they don't want instead of something that is actually good for them. And that's Napoleon Hill, right? That's Thinking Napoleon Hill. Yeah, thank right. you, right. Okay. right in the introduction yeah. of the book. <clears throat> so, so that was the, it put me on this path. And 
it um, it encouraged me to accept to accept responsibility. I kept stepping into that more and more in my life. Um, I was having more fun. I was enjoying myself for real. Didn't have to act like it. I was meeting great people. Uh, my income was going up. My opportunity in life was going up. My my home life changed. I was able to buy a house for my family in a nice neighborhood. Everything changed because of the three things that I changed that night. And again, from a mindset perspective, what did it change? It allowed me to see what was already right in front of me that I couldn't see, which I found out later on, whether it's money or any other opportunity in life, it's always us that are controlling what it is that we're seeing, but the opportunity is always there. I love it. That's, that's terrific. And that I've, I have a parallel of that story kind of in my own life when in the past I was a a cop previously and I was always, I had a little bit of a victim mentality in that, you know, I'm just getting a paycheck. I'm not going anywhere. I'm doing really a good job, but it doesn't really matter that kind of thing. And it wasn't until I saw the opportunity in front of me to do my interior design business on the side and to take that risk and to take full responsibility for it and running my own business that I actually really started growing outside of being unhappy and pretending that I loved that job, (laughs) (laughs) which I didn't at all. So David, so how does this how does this relate to being trapped in what you call the working class mindset and and operating from that point of view? How does it relate to the, your personal story and growth and how can that help our audience? Well, the the interesting thing was was that as I started to in 1999 I decided I was going to start my own business. And I had been helping people on the side, just kind of coaching them because people would come up to me on the side and go, dude, what is it that you did? Like, how did you break out of this? And I would say, if you're serious and you want to know, I'll show, you know, I'll show you. And I would give them books and, you know, pointers and that kind of stuff. So I met somebody who became my mentor and I ended up getting um, into the field that I've been in now for almost 25 years. Anyway, the idea behind what I was learning as an entrepreneur was that the value system was completely different than a middle-class working class value system. And I realized that almost everything that we learned from values, ethics, hard work, everything is designed to keep the middle class as the middle class. Hmm. The value system of an entrepreneur is almost a hundred percent different. There's some things that are similar, but most of it's completely different. And If you're raised middle class, you're generally raised with those values and those ideas. And I'm not saying that they're bad, okay? Right. They're they're basically survive. It's a survival mentality that's given to people that are going to be designed to work a job for somebody else for the rest of their life. It is a way that they need to show up, right? I mean, if you show up as an entrepreneur in somebody else's business, they're not going to take you too kindly for it, right? They need you to do what (laughs) they need you to do, not run the company, you know, right. so it's discouraged. It's discouraged all the way around. And it's about do what you're told, not do what you want to do type of a thing. And with an entrepreneur, the mindset's different because you have to be resourceful. You have to be able to see opportunity. You have to be you have to be a leader. You know, you, you have to take responsibility for everything that's that's going on. So when you ask that question, the, the most significant difference is that you're taking this personal responsibility on where you're saying, I'm going to be responsible for everything. When I do that, I have the power now to change everything in my life. If I don't believe that, if I go with the middle class mindset of, of just trying to be safe in everything that I do, and the reality is somebody else is in control of the income I make. Right? Yeah, that's right? yeah. That's the reality of it. So. Yeah. Not only do I feel like a victim, but I kind of am. I'm kind of in a situation where I don't have real control 
and autonomy over the direction I'm going in my life until I break out of that mindset and take control of the major things in my life that actually make the difference. And earning our own money is one of those. Mm-hmm. Are, do you see a lot of business owners or people who have taken that leap from working for someone else and indeed being a middle class person and, and relying on their paycheck from someone else to starting their own business, but still trapped in that getting paid middle class mindset? Is that a common thing? It's very common. I don't think I've ever seen anybody that doesn't. If you're not raised by parents who have at least have their own business and they understand how to make money and the responsibility behind it. They will not, you will not get that message in your life unless somebody else was to come into your life and teach you that because everything is about being prepared to stay safe. It's not about, do. it's not about taking risk. It's the other thing is, and I, and I, it's hard to say this without being derogatory. The part of the mindset that I grew up in was don't do more than you're paid for. Yeah, that was that was that was all over the police department. People just showing up doing the minimum. Yeah, it is. You just do the very minimum. And when I went to work for this other company that I went to work for, my father said something to me that was very interesting. He said, look, he said, you got a break. You went to work for a union company. You're going to make more than the average truck driver that's out there. He said, but I'm going to tell you something. Unless you want to stay a truck driver for the rest of your life, stay away from the union guys. He said, they're not bad guys. He said, but they they have a mindset of not doing any more than they're paid for, and you'll never get into management if you want to. If you want to get into management, he says it's hard right. enough to do it working for a union company. And I was the right. very first person in sixty years that they ever promoted from driver to low level management in that company. The very first, and wow. it, and I and I remembered what he said: stay away from the mindset. And you know, when I got in it, I could instantly see it. You know, and I got a lot of flack for doing more. I would always do more. And oh, yeah. <laughs> man, did I get the heat for doing more. It's like you're making us look bad. What are you doing? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I've been there. I have been there. So, so David, let's talk about what steps business owners can take to help break out of that mindset that maybe they were born with, they're nurtured with, and now they have their own business and it's really throttling them. Yeah. Number one, the, the greatest question that they need ever need to ask themselves in their life, what do they want? Yeah. What you what want is, is yeah. the key behind whatever, any change that you make. And I've never met anybody that'll make any significant change unless they're really going after something that they truly want. But here's the rub with that. We're not taught that it's okay to have what we want. And generally, our personal wants are more than what is just presented to us by the life that we're raised in. If we're really honest with ourselves, most of us shut that way down in our childhood And we don't give ourselves permission. So when I work with somebody and when I'm speaking to large groups of people, I always ask them, look, here's the thing. We have to start with what it is that you really want. And you have to remember something. Unless you've consciously made this shift in your mind, subconsciously, your parents are still the people in authority over you subconsciously which means you're waiting for somebody to give you permission to go after what you want, whether it's a larger income or a different lifestyle or whatever. You have to take that position back for yourself. You have to be the full authority in your life. And I'll do some, there's some things I'll do with them. And like in a large group of people, I'll do something to kind of prove this to them, that they're really limiting what they want based on what other people think about them. I'll say, look, let's, when you guys, when everybody leaves this conference, Go home, get all your friends and family together, have a great big dinner party. And in the middle of the dinner party, 
do a little tap on your glass, stand up and say, I want to make an announcement. I've decided to become unbelievably wealthy. And you'll hear the whole crowd laugh. And they will tell you (laughs) how uncomfortable just imagining that would actually be because they know the comments that would be made by those people. And I point out, I say, look, if you think that you're not adjusting your lifestyle so that other people accept you that are close to you and don't reject you, you're fooling yourself. Unless you're 100% accurate that you know what you want and you've actually done this work, you're adjusting what you want based on what other people think. And that's the first thing that has to go. We can go anywhere you want in your life if we get over that issue. Are you an interior designer looking to expand your reach and attract more clients? Well, we've got just the solution for you. Wingnut Social is the leading social media marketing agency designed exclusively for interior designers. Picture this, your stunning designs showcased to a vast online audience, generating buzz and capturing the attention of potential clients. With Wingnut Social, you can transform your social media presence into a powerful marketing tool. Wingnut Social understands the unique challenges faced by interior designers when it comes to social media marketing. That's why they've created a comprehensive strategy tailored specifically to your needs. With Wingnut Social, you'll have access to expertly crafted content strategies, custom tailored for the interior design industry. Say goodbye to those days of staring blankly at your screen, wondering what to post next. Wingnut Social takes care of that for you, ensuring your posts are engaging, relevant, and captivating. But it doesn't stop there. Wingnut Social also provides in-depth analytics, allowing you to track the performance of your social media campaigns. Discover which posts are resonating with your audience, identify new trends, and make data-driven decisions to maximize your marketing efforts. And the best part? Wingnut Social offers personalized coaching and support. Our team of social media experts will guide you every step of the way, sharing insider tips and tricks to elevate your brand and increase your online visibility. So why wait? Take your interior design business to new heights with Wingnut Social. Visit wingnutsocial.com today to learn more. Wingnut Social, where stunning designs meet social media success. That's that's profound. That really is. And that hit me on a lot of levels, and I'm sure that it's it's impacted, you know, it's resonated, I should say, with a lot of people in the audience. What is another step? Once you know what it is that you want, I think you have to ask yourself, what am I willing to do? That's next. What am I? So there's two things. We'll, we'll do a, a, a little exercise with people and we'll say, write down everything in your life that you're tolerating. Okay. Once you know what you want, <laughs> write down everything in your life that you're tolerating. And then be like, okay, so then on the opposite side of that, what actually do you want? Right? So there's two keys to that. One is this. You have, to, you have to know it needs to change, and you have to be willing to want to change it. So part of the middle-class mindset that really screws with people is that life has to be hard, that success has to be hard, that earning a lot of money has to be hard. So I change that with them on a fundamental level, and that, number one, they're born to be a success. Number two, success is easy. Because the only place that the difficulty of success takes place as being difficult is in your head. I went from... When I first started my business, I was making 50000 a year for right around the first year. Okay. And my mentor helped me go from 50000 a year to 50000 a month. And he, he, he kind of encouraged me to set the goal to do it. And he kept telling me something. He would go, David, it's easier to make 50000 a month than it is 50000 a year. And I would laugh like, yeah, it is for <laughs> you. You know, it's, it is, it's easier for you. <clears throat> so I set, a, I set this goal. I went after it for one month, and I didn't make any progress whatsoever. And I mm-hmm. worked. I mean, I really worked. 
Sure. And then he said to me, I told you it's easier. And I'm like, will you stop saying that? I like, you know, quit screwing with me. So I did it again for the next month. Same problem, no progress. And I get on the phone with him and he says, what is it that you don't understand about what I'm telling you? And I said, I don't know, what do you mean? He said, I'm telling you it's easier. He goes, why would you work all year for $50,000 when you could earn it in a month? He goes, I wouldn't even get out of bed for 50 grand. And you work all year for it. And I go, oh my God, he literally means it's easier. That's not how I was hearing it. So I sat down and I thought to myself, okay, if if he's right, if this was if this was as easy as it could be, what would be the easiest way that I would earn fifty thousand a month? I thought I'd have one client that pays me fifty thousand. Now at that level of my growth, I didn't think that I was worth that yet. So I went to right. fifteen thousand, but I hit the fifty in two weeks. You just boiled it down to to raising your rates so it's more efficient for your time? Well, that, in, that, that case, okay. in that case, the answer was yes. And okay. for many people, part of the problem is that they don't see their own value or the value in what they do beyond charging what they think people will pay. And mm-hmm. I like to point oh, okay. out there's two kinds of people in the world. There's one where the actual value that they get is how much money they save in when they buy something, which is a very middle-class mindset idea. They, they're more proud of how much money they saved than the actual value of what they bought. But there's another group of people, and they're not as concerned about how much money they're spending. They want the mm-hmm. value of the product or service that they're actually buying. Those for, the, for most business people, you want the latter. You want those people that really, the, the, the importance to them is the value in whatever you do for them, and it's not as much about the money. They've kind of overcome the money issue in their own life. I love that. And as interior designers, right, we aren't selling inexpensive things. We are creating better lives, healthier spaces, happier lifestyles. And what we do isn't inexpensive. So let's deconstruct that a little bit. And I'm curious to get your opinion on what that looks like if you are speaking to an audience, which you are, of interior designers. And when they're out there, maybe they are limiting themselves and saying, Susan McNuggets, I only want to charge $100 an hour because I'm afraid that this is all that they're going to pay for. Even though she's an incredibly successful interior designer, does terrific work. Tell what kind of steps is should Susan McNuggets be going through in her mindset in order to to make that happen, right? To realize the value of what she's doing to increase her rates to double her revenue without doubling her workload, which is which is a topic here. Yeah, it's a great question. So there's <laughs> yeah. two things. Number one is then consciously, what do you want? How much money do you want to earn? And how okay. hard do you want to work? What you, This is your life. It's your business. You get to determine the lifestyle. So how much do you want to make? How much do you want to work? Okay, so then when we get those two numbers, it's just a mathematical equation. How many units of what you do do you need to sell in order to make that number? Now mm-hmm. we have a number to go after, okay? The question is then, what? who is the ideal client for you that will pay this amount of money for what it is that you do. And part of the way we train people to see that is what is the value that you bring to the person that's willing to pay this amount? Is that value equal? Like, does it meet? If it doesn't meet, you may be in the wrong business, right? Mm -hmm. Like, or you may need to do something else, but because you absolutely have to have a vehicle. There's no question about that. 
But for something like what, what your folks do, there absolutely there's no limit to what they could charge because it's really based on the value of the person that's purchasing it and what that space or remodeling means to them, you know, mm-hmm. and at the level that they want to actually do it. At some point, though, I'm thinking, and maybe some people in the audience are thinking as well, you have to be realistic and pragmatic, though. Like, there's a certain limit, right? Not everybody's Kelly Wurstler. Not everybody's, uh, you know, a superstar interior designer. Only in your own mind. Only in your own mind. Okay, this is where I was going with this. But there are some, some practical and literal educational and talent and skill applications. There would be, sure. Yeah. I see interior designers come and go, and some are more skilled, some have different, you know, than than others, and some some are more higher end. And we even have uh, interior designers whose ideal client is middle class, working class people. That is their actual their actual niche. So, what is is there a cap? Is there a limit on this thinking at all? Are we educating ourselves to rise to this level to justify this, or what does that look like? So, so part of it is that. You're, you're correct about the skill part, 100%. Mm-hmm. But the idea about not everybody, I'm not familiar with the names that you mentioned, but I guess that they're probably rock stars in that in your field, right? <laughs> I'm obsessed with Kelly Wurstler. Okay. If she ever wants to come on the show, open invitation. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but here's the thing. The outside world didn't promote her to that. She decided mm-hmm. that's who she was going to be. And that's the difference between the middle class mindset and being a rock star entrepreneur. You get to decide the level at which you want to operate and make yourself into that person. So it may mean it may mean that you need to increase your skill set to a different level so you could work with a different group of individuals. Now, let's say that's not your taste, okay, but you still want to make a lot of money. Right. Then it would be then it would come down to You'd have to go to the, you'd have to figure out what is the top you could charge for the ideal market. So let's say it's the middle class market, but then you're going to grow wide. Okay. So that would be having more employees to be able to do the same thing to get more done and you would make it up by volume that way. Right. Right. So you can get it either way or you could do a combination of both, but you can't let the outside world, you can't wait for the outside world to promote you to the person that you want to become. That is an inside job. I love that. And that's a soundbite if I ever heard one. (laughs) That is terrific. Okay, so let's talk about the delegation piece of this then, because we are kind of naturally segueing over to that. So you're talking about scope and scale. If if your projects are middle class, upper middle class, let's say, and delegating. So let's talk about how important that is in getting outside of this working class mindset. It's everything. It's It's absolutely everything. everything. Mm -hmm. But it starts with your vision. You have okay. to have a vision of the company. And then you, I think the other thing, one of the things that, that I try to get to the core with, with, with people is, are they actually natural leaders in their business? Because not everybody is. Sometimes mm-hmm. the person is just a craftsman in their business, and they need to bring somebody else in that's a leader, that's a manager, that knows how to work with people. Right. So the number one thing, the only thing you really need as an entrepreneur is the vision. You can hire people to do everything else. And people, sometimes they don't believe me, and I'll say, go read Richard, Brant- Richard Branson's books. That's all he is, is the visionary. Yeah. He doesn't do any of the work inside those companies to the extent that when he gets an idea for a company, he then goes and finds the person that will build that company, and he asks them to come up with a vision for his company. Like, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, you know, it's pretty profound. And <laughs> That's the re- like the ultimate it is. It is wholly the ultimate. <laughs> and the reason we don't think that way is because we, we have so much of an employee mindset ingrained 
in our mind that we think that we're not worth it if we're not actually working hard. And we have to get rid of that mindset. It's not about hard. It's about value. David Nagel, I love it. And I have done some of these things myself. I mean, I struggle with some of the other things that we've talked about. I've delegated. I'm the visionary. I do the podcast. I have millennials that do all the digital marketing. (laughs) So, but But I still sometimes feel like I struggle with that. Like if I'm not working all the time, if I'm not busy, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So I love, I love this, this conversation that we're having. David, before we get into the fire round, is there anything that we've forgotten to, to speak about regarding this topic that you think the audience needs to hear? Yeah, just to connect what you mm-hmm. what you said there about okay. the working hard thing. Sure. Again, hard is hard is the way that you perceive the work that you're doing in your mind. Mm-hmm. If you love what you're doing, it doesn't it isn't hard. You, it can be challenging, but you still love it. Mm-hmm. Generally, when something is when you're finding that something is hard to the point where you're actually complaining about it or not feeling like doing it, you're doing the wrong thing. You should do what you love to do, and the hard goes away and you replace it with diligent. Like we're diligent workers. That's a great ethic to have, but I don't think that people should toil at things all day long that they absolutely hate. Our life is too precious for that. Agreed. Agreed. David Nagel, this has been amazing. Now I have to ask you, are you ready for the right. let up wing that round? I'm all right, ready. cool. What would the hashtag on your tombstone be? Just believe. Love it. You're stuck on a deserted Island, but you can have your one food forever. What is it? Pizza. Perfect choice. Really nice. Strategic, (laughs) delicious. I love it. Last but not least, please recommend a book that's impacted you either personally or professionally. Working with the Law by Raymond Hollywell. Oh, why? What is that about? It's about about understanding universal law and how we interact with it as far as our thinking goes. Oh, I'm going to check that one out. It's a great Uh, book. Thank you so much for that. That's a new recommendation we haven't received. David Nagel, thank you so much for joining us. Please tell the Wingnuts where they can go to find out more about you and your coaching and your awesome sauceness, and we'll call it a day. You can go to lifeisnowinc.com. That's our website. Or you can go to the Successful Mind Podcast. It's on all podcast channels. I am going to subscribe. I am definitely Thank going to you. subscribe. That's <laughs> a, a lot of wisdom nuggets. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with David Nagel. And if you feel... Like I do sometimes, I'll be honest. I mean, I was a cop for 18 and a half, almost 19 years. If you're still stuck in that middle class working 40 hours, whatever it is for a paycheck, and then you're, you have your own business and you're, you're, you're bringing some of that baggage with you. I do hope that some of the conversations that we had today with David Nagel, some of the advice that he gave is helping you to maybe think of something different and see those opportunities. Like David said, that are in front of you that maybe you didn't realize it and working I hate to say working smarter, not harder, but that's a thing for a reason. And one of the biggest things, and I've said this before on the podcast, ad nauseum, speaking of Dairy Queen food poisoning, um, is the delegation piece and being the visionary. And that is my role when he was saying that. That is how I founded Wingnut Social. My whole, I had an interior design firm, right? Darla Powell Interiors in Miami. And I said, listen, I cannot mechanically, technically be the person who does the things. I want to be the visionary. I want to oversee it. I want, I have a director who's going to run it. I have a team that implements it and I oversee the quality, the image, the biz dev and all that stuff. And I didn't know that I was doing that at the time, but I did that at the time and it's worked out pretty well. If I do say so myself, I mean, we've had some ups and downs and, and learning curves and stuff. Probably a coach like David Nagel would come in very handy. But um, yeah, so there's, I can tell you from personal experience that there's something there. 
right? That he's not just blowing smoke. So uh, my three cents for what it's worth, I get an extra cent because it's my podcast. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Remember, Mondays, we have the mini news sesh with some small like tidbits, info or advice on marketing your business. And Wednesdays, we have our full fledged interview situation like you heard today. And if you need help with marketing your interior design firm on Instagram, there's 99% of our bread and butter right there. Organic Instagram, paid Instagram marketing for interior designers. If you're a furnishings manufacturer, we have rug vendors, we have kitchen cabinet vendors, we have all that kind of thing too. Uh, Interior design coaches, architects, that is all we do is that that one genre, that that one milieu, that, those verticals, right, that are in that. Because I was an interior designer. I, I'm surprised I've had people come to me say, oh, I didn't know you did interior design. Yes, I did for four years. Uh, Darla Pell Interiors in Miami. I don't do that now. Now I do wing it. I love it. Right? He said, do what you love. And it's not like you're working. Anywho, I am rambling. So <laughs> thank you for joining us, guys. Remember to tune into our YouTube channel designed by Wingnut Social so you can see all the goings on. It's a it's a sight to behold. I'm here to tell you designed by Wingnut Social on YouTube. Check out wingnutsocial.com so we can see how we can work together. And until next time, remember to get out there, get uncomfortable and be great. You've reached the end of this episode of Designed by Wingnut Social. But that's only the first step into accelerating your business the Wingnut way. Head over to wingnutsocial.com or call us at 786-206-4331 to see how we can help take your business from meh to amazing. We'll see you on the next episode of Designed by Wingnut Social, your digital marketing tightly fastened. Last but not least, please recommend <laughs> Blooper. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Enjoy it. <laughs> Good boy, Mango.